Bible to Genesis. Genesis chapter 13. I like different stuff. I like to change up and throw us out of what we normally do. You know, here's one thing that I'm actually, I know we're low this morning and we got the summer travelers and all that stuff. I'm actually surprised after last Sunday's message, we got this many people. If you hadn't listened to the podcast, probably don't want to. You might not come back next Sunday, but, um, so here's where I'm at, what I've been studying on and what I've been praying about. And I've asked other people to pray about is, uh, just got this stirring in me, um, for, for something that's real. One of the, one of the, um, most common comments that I hear about church is, you know, that it's fake and you got a bunch of hypocrites and that kind of stuff. And, and you know, on average, I'd agree with that. Um, I think there's a lot of people in church that are real. I think there's a lot of people in church that are fake as fake can be. Uh, I used to be one of them. And so in that, I've been studying God's Word and and thinking, Lord, you know, I want what's real. I never want to go away from the truth by no means, or, or I always want to, want to walk in the truth. I want to lead our church in the truth, and if that calls for change, then we need to change. And uh, so as I'm looking at this, you know, it's amazing when you're studying how God's Word, as you're reading through it and preaching through it, it goes right along kind of where God has you and. I want to look at two different types of believers this morning. One is Abraham and the other is Lot. And I want you to look at your own life and decide which one that most resembles you. Or maybe you're here and you're not a believer. If you're here and you're not a believer, let me just go on and I'll give you an invitation at the first of the message, all right? If you're here and you're not a born-again believer, a born-again believer in Jesus is not just somebody who goes to church, not just somebody who has walked in front of the church and made a, a vocal profession. It's not somebody who's been baptized. It's not somebody who simply believes that God exists or that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world. It's somebody who has a personal relationship to Jesus because they've come to the place to realize that God's word is true, that they are a sinner, that they are destined because of that sin to, to God's judgment and wrath and hell. They also believe the good news of Jesus Christ, that he loved you as a sinner, died on Calvary's cross. You come to a place of repentance in your life to where you turn to Jesus, asking him for mercy and grace to save you. And at that moment, based upon what he has done, not what you have done, but what he has done and accomplished and has offered you as a gift, you simply humbled yourself to receive what you cannot possibly produce. From that point on, you have been born as a child of God and you should start to see the result of that in your life. You should see things that your desires change, your actions change, uh, your, your, the way that you live will begin to change. It's a process, not immediate. You're going to see your attitude change towards sin. You're going to see your attitude change towards God. You're going to see your attitude change, change towards God's people. Okay? If you don't have none of that, you don't have Jesus according to the scripture. Okay? I don't care what experience you've had or what you've been through. If God has not changed your heart to where you say, I love God, I love Jesus, I love God's word, I love God's people, and I love lost people and believe they need Jesus. If you don't have those four things, you don't have him according to the scripture. Okay? 
If you want to, if you want to, uh, you know, say, well, I don't necessarily agree with that. Please don't necessarily agree with it according to verse and chapter, and I'll be glad to to, to discuss that with you. Okay. And so we're going to have a get real session, see if we can go from 150 people down to 65 next week. All right. But here's where I'm at. What good does it do? Let's be honest. What good does it do to build big buildings, have a bunch of chairs, fill them up with a bunch of people who really ain't what they say they are? What good does that do? Jesus, the greatest pastor that ever walked the face of the earth, pastored 12 people and one fake. Right? So it's not about numbers. It's about God God doesn't need 3,000 people to do something awesome. He just needs one. So when we're looking in uh, Genesis chapter 13, it says, Now remember last week we had talked about Abram went down into Egypt. To avoid a famine. He was not doing exactly what God told him to do. God was in Egypt with him. And he brought Abram up out of Egypt. Verse 1 says, Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had. And Lot went with him. Okay, from the time that Abram left, Lot is his nephew, okay? And from the time that Abraham left Ur, he took Lot with him. And Lot's basically riding on Abram's coattail. So Lot's coming up out of the, out of Egypt with him to the south. Verse 2, Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel. The word Bethel means the house of God. He went back to the place of Bethel and Ai to the place. Now I want you to notice where Abraham comes to. To the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. Throughout Abram's life you see this, this, these scenes of altars where Abram, God speaks to Abram. Abram will build an altar. And remember in the Old Testament in the days... That's the, that, that was the basis of their relationship to the Lord. That's where they would come and offer up a blood sacrifice. He, uh, Abraham wasn't approaching the Lord based upon, hey, I come out of Egypt and I'm doing better, and so now I can come back to a place where we have fellowship. Abram came with a blood sacrifice to go, I still come to you through the blood of this offering, looking forward in faith to what Christ was going to offer on the cross. Okay, So anything to do with our relationship with God is based upon one thing. And if you're a void of that thing, if you're void of the blood of Jesus, then you have no relationship. Relationship to the Lord, and no matter how far down you go, okay, Abram went down in Egypt. He had a lot of, a lot of bad choices down there. No matter how far down you go, you can always come back and go. I'm, I'm still trusting in the blood of Jesus. And our fellowship with God doesn't change because it's based upon what Christ has already finished. And here at this altar, Abram would have worshipped God, and it said he called upon the Lord. And so you see that everything to do. Uh, with Abram and his relationship to the Lord, revolves around and is connected to this altar on the earth. Like I said last Sunday, there's no difference between Abraham and you and I, okay, in our relationship with the Lord, okay, because everything to do with our relationship to the Lord has to revolve around God's altar on the earth, which is the cross of Jesus Christ. And when you look at your life and you say that I'm a Christian, what it means is that, that number one, I'm like Abraham. I have a relationship to God. I want you to, one of the things I want you to notice, the difference between Abraham and Lot is, never said Lot built an altar. It never said Lot called upon the name of the Lord. It said Abram did. Abram would build the altar. Abram would offer the sacrifice. Abram would call upon the name of the Lord. Abram had a possession. He possessed a true 
and living faith that he walked with God day in and day out. Did he always do what God wanted him to do? Obviously not. But that relationship was there and he sought after the Lord. He had fellowship with God here at the altar. His worship and his honor for God. His direction in life. Everything that you see with Abraham before he went one way or the other, he always started at the altar. It's an excellent place to start. When you, when you're looking for direction in life, you shouldn't just start with what your mom and dad gives you counsel or, or, or what you hear from, you know, your pastor or people or your friends. The first place I want to go to when I'm looking for direction in my life is I want to go to the place of the altar. I want to kneel before the Lord. I want to, and I'm not talking about this altar. I'm talking about the, the cross of Jesus Christ. Everything to do in my life revolves around that. And if it doesn't, then my life is way off kilter. Does that make sense? And so when you look at, at Abram, what you see is a person who is connected to Jesus, who is the sacrifice on the altar. You see a person who is connected to the cross. You see a person who is connected to the Word of God. And you see those who are connected to one another. And, and that's what you have not only with Him, but that's what, you, that's what we should see in the church today. I hear people say, you know, I don't have to go to church to, you know, to worship. And I, you know, so, you know, I can stay at home and I can do, I don't know what the point of, you know, just going to the church. So, so that's the only reason you come to church is to worship. What about the connection? God designed the church to be a connection. Every single person sitting here, the church isn't for lost people. Church is for God's people. Okay? Say, well, I'm lost. I mean, I'm not welcome. No, you're welcome to be saved. That's what you're here for. That's our only purpose. We're not trying to get you here to get you money. Or to, or to fill up a seat. If you're here, my whole purpose, I don't know where everybody is, but my purpose is to bring you to the saving the grace of Jesus Christ, okay? And so the church should be connected to Jesus, wholly connected to the finished work of the cross. We should all, not just me or a couple or a few, we should all be connected to God's word in our life on a daily basis. And we should be connected to one another. You know, one of the things that, that I saw in this passage of scripture that um, I'll probably jump around for a minute, but John chapter 13, verse 35 and 36, Jesus said, By this all men shall know that you are my disciples, insomuch that you have love for one another. You have love for one another. I, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I don't know this brother. Have you been here before? Okay, he's been here before, and I don't even know him. Can you answer me this question? Now, it takes me a minute, and I'm going to put myself in the sorry seat. How can I show love to somebody I have, I'm not connected to? I don't know him. I want to know you, okay? I'll meet you after church. <laughs> Okay, let's be honest. How many of you know him? One. Anybody else? And then I could, and you. All right, good deal. So it's good. You're not just total stuck out. But I can go over this, this crowd, and I guarantee you I can find people who've been here for months, probably years. And I can go to this side and go, okay, do you know this person over here? Mm. And that's not just a minority. Well, there's always going to be one or two. Yeah, I'm talking about majority. How can we possibly demonstrate to the world that we're the disciples of Jesus and having a great love for one another when I don't know the person who sits two aisles over and don't go through the effort to find out? Church is janked up. It is. If we want to know the truth. And we need some, we need some change in so much of, you say, well, you just can't get to know everybody an hour a week. Bingo. Bingo. That mean, well, you mean I gotta be at church every, no, I'm not saying be at church every time, I'm saying we need to change something up to where I can get to know this brother. Cause I ain't just here to preach at him, I wanna know him, I wanna to minister to him, I wanna know his family, I want him to know me, I don't want me just praying for him, I want him praying for me. And I wanna know him, the, the, God's churches should be a family. How many of you have brothers and sisters you don't know? <laughs> Most of you know your family. 
You might only see them once a year at the reunion and dread that, but you know them. Right? There should be a connection. And God's, well, my point is, there, there should be a connection as a believer. That your connection to Jesus should cause you to want to have a connection to, to the people that you love. To the people that you're involved in a church with. And then when a church is disconnected, I don't care how many times we meet, we're not a church. Now, when you look at this, think about this. What does your connection look like? When you sit here this morning, you look around at this crowd of people, and you say, well, this morning we got a lot of people missing. Who's missing? How many of you could tell me who's missing? Who's not here? Who hasn't been here two or three weeks, two or three months? You know, how, how connected are you to God's Word? How connected are you to God's people? How connected are you in your relationship and your prayer and your fellowship with God? Because here's what I bet. I don't even have mine on it me this morning. Thank the Lord. But if I pulled out my phone, how many of you would flip out if you lost your phone and couldn't have it for a week? Most of you would wig out. I would, and I'd be like, thank you, Jesus, but... But most people in our culture today, you know what you, you are all about that phone because that's your connection. Well, this is what I have all my information on. This is where I have all my people on. This is where I have my Facebook on. And this is where I have my Twitter and, and whatever else, all that stuff that people's got going on. That is probably one of the most, you, you don't go anywhere without it. And if you forget it, you call and get somebody to bring it to you. You go buy a new one. If it, I mean, we got insurance on them now to where if it falls out of the car, we're, we're on somebody else's in the next three minutes. I got to have my phone. I have to have my phone. What would it be like if our connection to Jesus was like that? Don't you think it was, should, should kind of be like that? Am I just a weirdo? But as a Christian, shouldn't I go, you know what? You know, I, 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 for an American, we'll just go with American. Most, most, most of the time, the first thing that happens in the morning, we wake up, we're looking at it, we're on it, we're scrolling, we're, we're, we're doing the two thumb text and we're sending, we're, and we're all about it. And then when the preacher gets up on Sunday and says, have you read the Bible this week? Man, I really just didn't have time. I'm like, really? Does it make sense to you that we can be so connected to a phone but not connected to God's word? Because we can be so connected to a phone or to a Facebook, we're not connected to a church. That don't make a lot of sense to me. You know, not just as a pastor, but just as a believer. And go, uh, if I was as connected to the Lord and to connected to God's church as I am connected to my phone and my work, I would probably see something like they saw in the book of Acts. The power of God. I would see it, I would see our culture turned upside down on its ear by God's power moving through God's people, showing love to people and flipping them out because they don't understand why this is going on. Instead, the church has become something that simply exists on a Sunday in a building where we go, you know, and, and we do our thing and we're like that. Well, that's good enough. You know, that's, 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 let's not get carried away. Y'all with me this morning? Okay. So, so when you look at the difference between Abraham, which one are you? Abraham is deeply connected in his relationship to the Lord. You know what's crazy about Abraham? Not even a building. There's not even a building here. There's no worship leader. You know, Abraham's like, man, I really like to go to the altar, but I'm waiting on Jeremy. <laughs> you know, well, no, there's no worship leader. There, there's no pastor going, come, come to the altar, Abraham. I'm waiting up here on you. He's just walking with the Lord. Crazy. Like, like every day, like he actually knows God. And God's involved in every part of his day. That's biblical Christianity. Now, you got a lot more people who look like Lot. You got a lot of Lots. Let's look at Lot. We look in verse 8, or verse 5. Notice this, it says, Lot also, who went with Abram, 
means he went to Egypt with him. He came back up. He had flocks and herds and tents. Now, here's the thing that you got with Lot. Lot was a righteous man. I want to point this out. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, it said, Lot was righteous, or he was a just man. And you remember, as you keep going, we're looking at weeks to come, that Lot ended up in Sodom and Gomorrah as a leader of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. As a righteous man. So don't think just because you're saved can't end up being stupid, right? And so, but, but here's the point. Why, how did Lot, who walked with Abram, end up in Sodom and Gomorrah, lost the majority of his family, committed incest with the only two daughters left, which turned out to be the enemies of the Israelites in the days to come? You're talking about a man of God? How could that possibly happen? Let's figure it out. Because when I look at that, I go, you know what? I need to look and see what happened to Lot so it don't happen to me. Because if it could happen to him, it could happen to me. The Bible said he lived in oppression. In 2 Peter 2, 7, it said he lived daily. They daily vexed his righteous soul or that his, his soul was oppressed by the people he was around day after day after day in Sodom and Gomorrah. I think there's a lot of believers not living possessed but oppressed. Because we're just like the people that surround us every day. There's not a whole lot of difference as far as what we look, how we live, what we think, what we do, what we involve in. And that's why the world says, why don't I want to go to church? There's no difference. So when you look at this, here's the thing that you see different between Lot and Abraham. Number one, he had a position, but no possession. There's people here today, you have a position. You say, I've trusted Jesus. I know I'm a born-again believer. But do you possess the kind of faith that Abraham possessed? Are you connected? Do you walk with the Lord each and every day? That you worship God each and every day? That you consult with God each and every day? That you're sharing your faith? That you're in God's Word? I talked to a young man this week who made terrible choices. Family is falling apart because of it. He was kind of upset about He was actually blaming God for it. I said, let me get this straight. You make a stupid choice that has caused you to to bring your family to a place that's awful at this point. And now you're, you're upset at God for that. And I won't go into detail with you, but, but, but here's what I want to say. Here's my next question to you. I said, now let's be honest. Prior to this decision you made that we want to kind of look at God and blame Him because He didn't answer a prayer, were you, were you spending time in God's Word each day? Were you walking with the Lord, sharing your faith with your co-workers, telling them about Jesus, concerned about their soul, praying for the lost, praying for your family, making sure that you were in the place that you needed to be and avoiding the places you shouldn't be? Was that going on? Honestly? Well, no. Then why do we want to blame God when we play church? Right? Well, do you really have to do all that? No, I really want to. Because there's been a change in my life that causes me to go, I want to follow Jesus. And I'm not alone. There's people in this crowd that I've seen their life and they go, I want to follow Jesus. I don't want to be like Lot. I don't want to be, you know, just a position. Yeah, I'm a Christian. But what is your possession? And so he had a position, but he had no possession. You never saw Lot going, hey, Abram, probably a bad choice. We went to Egypt. Why don't we... You didn't see that. It's a lot wherever he was riding. Here's what he was doing. He's riding on another man's faith. He was riding on Abraham's faith. Never built an altar. Never says that Lot sought after God. He simply followed Abram wherever Abram went. How many of you are living off somebody else's faith? 
How many of you young people still living off mom and dad's faith? You have a position, you have no possession. They still have to encourage you all the time. Baby, read your Bible. Why wasn't you at church today? You know, you're 18, you're 20, you're 30, and you still didn't come to church. You know, Mom, I'm a believer. I'm good. I'm a Christian. I'm good. Me and God have our thing. Really? You know, I think that there are some people, and I'm not being negative this morning in spite of what you're thinking, but I think... If I say something wrong, let me know. But I think there are, there's a lot of people who are just a faith leech. You know what a leech is? You know, a leech is a parasite. If you've ever walked through, you know, a marsh hunting pigs, you might walk out if you're in shorts and look down your leg and you have this little flat wormy looking thing. What's he doing there? He's sucking the life out of you. It's a leech, right? That's what they do. They suck the life out of you. A parasite. There are parasitic believers. Who want to live off another person's faith. And they suck the life out of them. Come on y'all. y'all. If this doesn't apply to you, amen. Okay. But, so, so you see, like, right, because, because let's be honest, I'm not even calling out, you know, and let me say this, I'm not just talking to, you know, if you're a Sunday morning only person, I, there's a lot of Sunday morning only people who serve the Lord, okay, so don't, we just mad because I don't come to church on Sunday. I had nothing to do with that. But there are about 10% of people in any church you pick who carry the load. 10% of the people are the ones who are always there. They're always serving. They're always giving. They're always sacrificing. They'll do whatever needs to be done to make sure the church functions in the way that it should function. They're there for the love of Jesus and they honor God. There's a lot of people who are just leeches. This ought to get us down to about 60 people. But I'm, I'm just being honest with you. Don't be one of those people. So don't, if you get mad and you leave, it's probably because you're a leech, all right? It means that, it means that, oh, you know, you're there. I want to know what he studied this week because I didn't. And you're one of them who's like, man, he preached too long or that message is boring. It's because you're a leech. Get your own faith. You feed me. Right? I mean, we ought to come in the first church. Everybody gave a part. It wasn't just one person standing up here in a crowd out there, you know, as an audience. Do you have your own faith? Quit living off of mom and daddy. Quit living off your wife or your husband's faith. Quit living off the books that you read all the time. I know you're, man, just, have you read the new Francis Chan books? Awesome, but man, I do. Just blah, 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 blah. I know it. I want my own faith. I want to be my own Francis Chan. I want my own book. I don't want to stand before God and go, Lord, man, that dude was awesome. I want to stand before God and him go, all right. You know, you wasn't just a parasite. You had your own faith. You did your own thing. You wrote your own book. You lived it out. You didn't need everybody else patting you along and begging you to be there. Right? Man, we're going to have a small group Bible study next Sunday. Amen. That's all right. We'll build off the truth. It doesn't bother me. And so here's where we're at. What have Lot's personally known and following Jesus in his life? You know, I read all about Abraham, but I don't read about Lot. What about Lot's plan? Or God's plan for Lot? How many of you are following somebody else and you're living off of their faith and God's like, i got a plan for you. I've got a purpose and a point for you. He said, man, my mom and dad, they, I hear it all the time, my mom and dad is just super Christians. I've said it. But you know, my mom and dad are, in my eyes, they're, they're, they're solid as a rock, believers as, as believers could be. But you know what? I want my own. I don't want to always tell what my mom and daddy did or what I saw God do in my mom and dad. I want my kids to see Christ in me. And so in that, think about this. Lot was so easily influenced. Think about the things that influenced Lot. He was influenced by, I'm almost done. He was influenced by Abram. You know, Abram, where are we going? Well, today we're going to Egypt. Okay, I'm with you. What are we doing tomorrow? Well, we're coming up out of Egypt. Okay, I'm with you. 
Abram, what are you doing? I'm bowing at the altar. Well, I guess I'll bow with you. Man, the churches are full of people like that. They wasn't just, he wasn't just influenced by, by Abram. He was influenced by Egypt. It says right here. It says, Lot also went with Abram. Who went with Abram? He had flocks and herds and tents. Not only does that tell us that if you're one like Abram, that you have a lot of influence on people. Be careful how you influence. But, you know, there are people who are like, well, when I'm around this crowd, I'm like this crowd. And when I'm around, when I'm around Christians, I speak Christianese. And when I'm around worldly people, I speak worldlies. And, and you know, it just, it just depends, you know. I can either, you know, raise my hands and worship or I can, you know, be screaming at the people going down the road. It just depends on what, what I'm influenced by. I watch a movie, I'm influenced by the movie. I want to be like Sylvester Stallone. And then, and then when I listen to Billy Graham, I want to be a preacher. Right? I'm thinking, where, where about the people that you see like Paul and like Abram who were totally and absolutely influenced by the Holy Spirit? Who were influenced by the Word of God? He was influenced by his surroundings. If you keep looking at Lot, we won't have time this morning, but, but here in a minute, Lot made a choice because they had to separate and divide because they had so many possessions they couldn't dwell together. And Abraham said, you pick. And so Lot looks at the richest, best thing that he could possibly get. And he says, and Lot went his way. He pitched his tent toward Sodom. You keep reading in the next couple of chapters, he's not just pitched his tent up on the hill. He's right up amongst Sodom and Gomorrah. And guess what? He became just like them. His kids became just like them in so much that they were destroyed by God's wrath. Just depends on who he was around. Is that the way that you are? I hope not. But who influences you? There's a lot of pressure as a preacher. You go, man, if I say the wrong thing, I'm going to influence some people to leave. And if I, hopefully if I say the right thing, I'm going to influence people to keep coming. That's stupid. I've come to a place to go, you know what? I'm not trying to influence you to stay or go. I'm trying to influence you to follow Jesus. So if what I say causes you to follow Jesus, great. But if it doesn't, shouldn't you seek him on your own? Right? Not to live off of my faith or live off of somebody else's faith, but that you have your own personal faith. I'm going to give you five quick things. I'm not even going to go into these, but I'm going to give you something that led to his demise. As a believer, number one, Lot had no possession. He didn't walk with the Lord. Wasn't a personal faith that he that he that he lived out day in and day out relating to Jesus. Second thing is he had worldly possession. Man, he got so rich, he had all the stuff. Third thing is, and I'll, I'll read this, and while you're writing that down, verse seven says, or verse six says, um, verse five. I had to back up to there. He had lots and heard. Uh, verse six. Here we go. Now land was not able to support them that they might dwell together for their possessions were so great. Sounds like a lot of marriages. That they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram and the livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And so, so you start off, he has no possession. Then he gets worldly possessions. Then you see strife and division. I'm, I'm describing some marriages. That, that you go into your marriage, you don't have a possession of a personal walk with the Lord. Next thing you know, your heart's given to worldly possessions. And then you've got so much stuff, you can't dwell together, right? Y'all know people like that. I know it's not in this crowd, but you know you're thinking about somebody that I'm talking about. 
You're like, man, look at the Bible. It's true, the pattern of it. I'll give you a warning. If you're here today and you're getting married, you're thinking about the future, you're going to be married, or you just got married. If you have no possession, you don't possess a true and living, vibrant, growing faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that you're walking in, you're going to start living for worldly possessions. And you're going to get them. The devil's going to make sure of that because he said, it's been given to me to give these things to anybody who will bow down to me. And if you're not bowed down to Christ, you're bowed down to him. You're going to get worldly possessions. The next thing you know, you're going to be working and having so much stuff. You don't have room or the time or anything in your schedule to dwell together for the purpose you got married to start with. Next thing you know, you start having strife and division. And the next thing you know, you go your way. So when you look at this, and, and lots of believers, I just want to stress that. Don't come to a place where you go, but I'm a, but I'm a Christian. Yeah? And? Then all of a sudden, notice what it says. Uh, the Canaanites and the parasites dwell in the land. I'm going to have to skip a bunch of good stuff on this. Verse 8, and Abram said to Lot, please, notice this. In true, in, in real Christianity, people are, are, come before possession. It says, so Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me, between your herdmen and my herdmen. Why? Because we're brethren. Because we're brethren. You ever heard that in a, in a business meeting? In a Baptist business meeting, you ever heard that? We'll, we'll fight over the, we don't hear, I'll be honest with you. If you've ever been in our business meeting, they're awesome. I'm never, I can't honestly think of a disagreement that we've had here in this church in, in at least the last 10 years over. But there's, I've been a part of a lot of churches where they're building a new building and we're going to, we're going to argue over whether or not we're going to have new hymnal books or old hymnal books and, and we fight and divide over whether we're going to have a screen up front or not or whether we're going to do this kind of service or that kind of service or whether the color of the carpets and, and all these different things. I've never heard nobody stand up and go, please, let there be no strife. We're brethren. Doesn't that supersede the building? Doesn't that supersede, you know, the, the process? The key thing that ties us together here is that we're brethren. We're family. There shouldn't be no strife. And so you see that Abram exalts relationship, but Lot doesn't. Lot exalts possession. And we're going to get into this again next week because there's something so awesome in this I can't get to this morning. He says, is not the whole land before you? Think about this. Give me five extra minutes. Think about this. Whose land was they on? It's on Abram's land. God gave this land to Abram. Lot just came along. Abraham could have been selfish. He could have been possessive. He could have said, hey, get your own faith. You know, this is my land. God gave me this land. I left my stuff for this. Abram humbles himself. What is he doing? He's like, I'm entrusting God for what he wants me to have. I'm not going to fight and argue and divide over stuff because you mean more to me than this. And all of a sudden, Lot back, or Abram backs up and says, the whole land's before you. You choose. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go this way, I'll take whatever you don't want. That's a man, that's a heart after God right there. A lot lifted up his eyes. Notice what he said. He said, and that he says, not the whole land for you. Please separate from me. If you will take from the left, I will go to the right. If you want to go to the right, I'll take the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes. See, Abram had his eyes on the Lord. Lot lifted up his eyes and he saw the plain of Jordan. Man, there's some good marriage preaching in this. It was well watered everywhere. Notice what it says here, or underlines your Bible, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. What was Lot living for? He was living for and lusting after what God would destroy. Are you? 
Am I? Is my whole life given to what's going to go up in flames? Are we dividing in our homes over what's going to go up in flames? And so he looks at this and he's, uh, he's thinking about how great he can become, how he's going to benefit from all this. And he doesn't humble himself. He says, you know what, I'll choose for myself the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated one from another. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain. He pitched a tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. You know what Lot said? My faith doesn't cause me to separate from wickedness. Let that, let that settle for a second. When God said, I'm calling you out as a people to be separate. Not to be like the world. Not to live like the world. Americans go, <laughs> now wait a second, you gotta live. You gotta have fun. You can't just isolate yourself. We wanna go to the opposite end of it. We wanna blow it out of proportion. God didn't say isolate yourself. He said, don't be an idiot. Right? And we're like, but we're surrounded by idiots and it's a, because in order for me to benefit my family, we're just logically reason. I'm gonna play lot. Well, in order for me to logically keep up with all this, all these great blessings that God's given me when I was down in Egypt, I'm gonna have to move over here and take part of something I know is totally godless and wicked. God must be okay with that. It must be God's will. And God's like, I didn't tell you to go there. Don't blame it on me. And when you get what you got coming, don't blame it on him. We should be a people who, like Abraham, say, you know what? Abraham might have looked around Canaan and said, you know, it's not as rich here. There's not as much grass. There might not be much room. But, Lord, you're here. And I'm here to follow you. I didn't come. I didn't come for the entertainment. I didn't come for the good music. I didn't come because everybody's great and not hypocritical. I, I'm not following you, God, for, 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 for the things you give me. I'm here because you're here. I'm following because you're following. And when you follow out, I'm following with you. Abraham had a real faith. He went on a different road. When you look at it, he had a real faith. He had a real love. He also had a real hope because he served a real God. So which one looks most like you? I have to close with this. And this is not a salvation message. But I want you to see this. Maybe there's people here today that you're hanging in the balances over. You get a raw deal or you're divided over stuff and you know, you see a lot of that, especially when somebody dies, you see the horrible stuff that goes on. If you've ever been a part of that, you lose somebody in your family, and then a family goes to chaos. What's the whole point? Stuff. Abram, Abram said, you, you just take whatever, and I'll, I'll just trust God with whatever he has for me. So Lot got the best. Some of us go, can you believe that? He had the audacity to come to the place that God led me, and he took the best. Notice what God did. As soon as, as soon as Lot went away, verse 14, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot separated from him, lift up your eyes now. His eyes on the Lord. Look from the place where you are, north, south, east, westward, for all the land which you see. That's including the land that Lot just took. I will give you. You don't have to fight for what God gives. God takes care of his people. And when you, we talked about something, when I submit myself to the Lord to go, Lord, this don't look like it's going to work. 
I need to be like the rest of the world. I need to fight and grab and do and strive and war and envy and covet and all these different things to try to better myself. That's not what, that's not the way God works. The way God works is, Lord, they can have whatever. I'm just going to trust you for whatever you have for me. And God's like, lift up your eyes because I'm, gonna, I'm not just going to give you a piece. I'm going to give you all, including what they just took from you. That's a message in itself. So here's what I want to ask you this morning as we give an invitation. Which one looks most like you? Let's be real. Let's just be real. You ain't answering to me. And I'm not judging. I don't know anybody here. But does your Christianity look real? I mean, if you looked at your personal life, I'm not talking about coming to church. Let's just scratch your church attendance. I don't care if you're here every time or not. I do care is how you're living because you know the Lord or you don't. I do care because I don't want to see people end up where Lot ended up. And so I'm not asking you to answer me. I'm asking you for your own goodness and your own future. Which one do you look most like? You say, man, I'm walking in the pattern of Abraham. I have a personal faith in the Lord. I love God with all my heart. I have my troubles. I have my struggles. God brings me through. I worship God. I look to God. God directs my life. I see the blessing of God in my life. I have the peace, peace of God in my life. God is so real to me. I want to be God's servant. I trust God. God blows me away. Or, well, I'm more like Lot. You know, I dabble in it here and there. I got my belief. But I'm just, I'm blown about by any wind that blows. I can fit in any crowd that I go in. But here's the thing, when I get around those freaky people who really love Jesus, it makes me feel really uncomfortable. I see something they have I don't. It's something that I want, but I'm not quite willing to let go of this that I'm holding on to. So I'm just going to play along. Here's the thing, when are you going to get real? Because here's where I'm at, get real or get out. Get out of the boat or, or float away. Life is too short to play with the most important thing that there is. God loved you, give you life. He's got so many good things for you. And so many of you have bought into what the church of today has sold. Well, as long as you're here and you do your little deal, then you're good to go. If that's all I had, I'd walk away. I'm just being honest with you. I'd walk away and go, this is, this is, this is nothing. This is so empty and futile. Or... I would go, I'm going to find out if God is who he says he is. There was a point in time in my life where I went, I'm tired of playing church. I'm tired of coming and sitting on, as I sat on the back row. Nothing against you back rowers, all right, I'm with you. I come in, I sit on the back row, me and my wife would listen. We would get up and we'd walk out, and I would be just like everybody else. Pray if I got in trouble, listen to the Bible, feel guilty, convicted, get up and walk out and go out about my life and go, what's the big deal? There wasn't one. But I come to a place where that was driving me insane. And I ended up like Lot. I led my family to a terrible place. And by the grace of God, God's like, I'm going to give you another chance. Now, you need to decide whether you want to seek me or not. And I was like, I do, God. I want to know you. I don't care if it offends everybody in church, Lord. I want to know you. Man, I, I, I scream to the glory of God. He is who he said he is. And he's kept His every promise to me. And he's always there for me. And he's so... Good to me, man. I went to bed one night this week. I was working out of town, and and I went to to uh, to bed, and I was laying there you know, with the lights off, trying to fall asleep, and uh, 
I just started going back in my mind over um, all of the things that I had seen in my life that God has done and in my family and in the church. I mean, I was just bawling like a baby. I text my wife. It was about 11 o'clock. I text my wife and I said, man, you know how good God is to us. He is so good at the things that we have seen and been a part of and that God's done for us. I'm just standing in amazement. So you know why it upsets me when, when we come to church and we're just, yeah, whatever. It's like, oh, that's, that's not who God is. And if that's all you've got, you're, to, you're totally missing it. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? Let's have a word of prayer. And you're welcome to come and pray if you want to. Father, I just bow before you. And uh, I just thank you for this group of people that you've allowed me uh, the opportunity to pastor and to stand before. Lord, probably the most unworthy person here. And I thank you for the blood of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you love sinners. And I thank you that you love your people, God. And you you lavish us, God, with grace and with mercy every day. And and Lord, I hope this people know, Lord, my heart's desire is just for them to know you and to to receive what you have for them. God, so good. You're so good. You have so much good for them here, God. And I just pray over the the marriages here, Lord, that, uh, that people would have a possession. It would end all strife. And they take their eyes off of things that, that you're going to destroy. And they put their eyes on things that are eternal. God, that we would be a people who love, who love one another, Lord, who, who go to the effort to know one another and to bear one another's burdens and, and to share our lives with each other, God. I just pray that you would bring salvation, that you would bring healing, that you would bring restoration and revival here today. We just ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I cast my mind to Calvary.